0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mailbag where we answer your questions to help you build a team this 2023 preseason. My name is Damo and Clarky is also here. How are you, my good friend?
1: Doing well. It's been a been a big big week of news, so I'm looking forward to seeing some questions.
0: Joining us this week is a man who comes from the YouTube part of town. He has 3.72k subscribers at time of recording and is known for his Supercoach stock market videos. It's DR from Supercoach with DR. How are you, mate? Thanks for joining us.
2: Very, very well, Damo. Clarkie, thank you very much for having me, legends. I'm uh, stoked to finally pop my Jock Reynolds cherry, I suppose you would say. So stoked to be on, and, and thanks very much for having me on, gents. And we said this off air, but
0: when we announced on Twitter that you were our guest this week, we had people coming out of the woodwork to ask all sorts of questions. So you were clearly a popular person within the community.
2: Well, yeah, it did cost me a lot of money. I had to pay off a fair bit of people to to make those lovely (laughs) comments, mate. But uh, hopefully the money was all worth it.
0: (laughs) Before we get to the community's questions, you've got a good history of finishing well inside the top 1,000. What is front of mind for you when putting a team together in the preseason?
2: Well, I suppose the first thing that I do is once the, the previous season finishes up is I always get together a bit of a short list of blokes that I may look to start next year. i do a fair bit of preseason research Uh, particularly the second half of the year. I look at those numbers from the year before, look at all the super coach history, any changes uh, that are are going on during the preseason. So different roles, uh, maybe a change of of team, change of coach, so many different factors that you've got to take into consideration. But for me, I always start with who I think are the absolute must-haves, lock in those primos, then go to who I think are then the, the, you know, almost the most, uh, the must-have value picks, like your Jacob Hoppers, for example, this year, and then I think the rookies at this stage are pretty hard to gauge. So a lot of placeholders, but always look for those primos that you've got to have in your side. And then I think that you've got to nail those value picks as well, but the more research that you do and the more people that you listen to more opinions that you get, the better off you're going to be, I think guys.
0: Let's get to the questions. And it's good that you mentioned Jacob Hopper there. Um, obviously, You think he's a pretty good value. What does he need to average to be considered a successful pick? That comes from Matthew Donnelly on Twitter.
2: I'd say to be successful, you'd be looking at high 90s for Hopper. For me, what I think that he presents, it may be a bit of a stretch uh, that he's going to be a keeper for us but I think around the price what he'll do is he'll give us some really good on-field scores and still hopefully have the capabilities to make us at least 150k so he can do the job that some rookies can do for us in regards to money making but at the same time be a really reliable on-field scorer he's going to be I think the main man in the engine room there down at Tigerland so I think that the value that he presents in regards to cash gen as well as those on-field points. Um, make him a solid pick if he can go, I'd say, 95-plus.
0: Clarkie, do you have Jacob Hopper in your team at the moment?
2: Not at the moment, but he's sort of someone that,
1: in in a weird sort of sideways, he's been someone that I'm looking at as kind of a trying to decide to go up or down from maybe like an Ashcroft up or down kind of movement just because I'm starting to cool a bit on what Ashcroft might be doing at the Lions, despite, you know, how much of a good footballer he is. So I think Hopper is someone that we should all be really keeping on the radar regardless at at any point during this preseason, unless he goes down with an injury. I'd probably agree with DR though. I'd say to depending on what you classify as successful in this case i'd probably say it's just making making that cash i'd say anywhere 90 plus would be a pass mark for me um given his price at about 330 or 332 i think it is if i if i looked it up correctly before um which yeah is is more than doable at richmond depending on what their new mid structure might look like with the likes of toronto as well coming in
0: and he's probably going to be pretty highly owned. So if he fails, there's not going to be that high of a risk because everyone will have to work out what they want to do with him. And to be honest, I he's in my current team. I couldn't get myself to pick him in the beginning. I hate picking mid-prices. I've always been a guns and rookies kind of person. Um, sometimes I'll pick someone because I'm i adamant that they'll break out. I, I successfully tipped... The Andrew Brayshaw breakout in twenty twenty, and I've and I'm riding that hard. Um, <laughs> I was <I'm>, say, <laughs> you've never brought that up before. <laughs> I picked it; it was me. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there's obviously a role for him at the Tigers, and the engine room needed a bit of spark, needed something different because Dustin Martin doesn't have the same body capacity as he used to have. Um, Shane Edwards, it has has retired now, I believe um and they and and they've moved players around they moved Jaden Short around as well trying to find someone to add a bit to their midfield so bringing in Jacob Hopper and even Tim Taranto as well he's not as he's he's not as cheap but um 98 is probably where i'm sitting is where he is what he would need to average like nice sort of price and at that average we could sit him on our bench and then use him as a loophole of, for the rest of the season if if it pays off and if it doesn't like i said probably going to be highly owned so everyone's going to be sitting in the same boat trying to move him or or working out what what to do with him
1: i think it's interesting to note as well just looking at it here as far as richmond midfielders go jaden short is the high had the highest 2022 average with 98.8 so not even he cracked a, a 100 average which I think is probably really concerning. And and I've said it before, without any venom for the Richmond Football Club, but Richmond, the way that they play to me isn't usually something I associate with high scoring super coach players necessarily throughout their midfield. They'd like to share it around and everybody kind of has their very specific roles. Um, So it'd be interesting to see how Hopper fits into that.
0: DR, are you on the Tim Taranto train? Do you think he's going to be successful or do you reckon he's a little bit overpriced considering
2: the system that he's in? I've been off and on, off and on with Timmy Taranto. I've been switching in with Rosie in my side. Uh, Look, we know what the good and the bad is with Taranto. I don't think he'll have any trouble finding the pill, but it's obviously what he does with it. He's known to be a bit of a butcher. Um, As Clark had just mentioned, Richmond's system don't usually allow for a really friendly, fancy style of game. So that's always a little bit of a concern for me. But I think with Taranto, is coming into his prime. He will be, I think, along with Hopper, the main man there. You'll obviously have Prestia in there as well, but he's injured so often, isn't he? How often is Prestia actually out there? I don't know if Short will continue to play through the midfield. There's lots of roles that he could do so. I don't think that Timmy Taranto plays too much time forward. I think you've got players like Martin and Bolton that will also rotate through there. So I do see a lot of midfield time for Taranto and Hopper. Probably the two main blokes that will attend the main uh, main CBAs, I think, for me. But uh, not a lock at this stage, but currently in my side
0: we'll move on from there Tim Mitchell from the KFC Supercoach Harold Sun team asked us a question and we'll go around we'll go we'll go we'll go around here and get everyone's rankings here because he wants us to rank the 600k defenders so that's in order Sinclair, Sicily, Stewart, Doherty, and Dawson from 1 to 5 um, I'll go first because I wrote it down um, Tom Stewart's number 1 just because of his reliability then Dawson Sicily is expensive, but I've got him at number three. Um, Doherty at number four. I just like others better, but I think he's a great pick anyway. And then Sinclair's at the bottom, because I don't know where Ross will want to play him. Does he keep him in the same role as last season? There's, there's too many question marks. It's hard to put faith in him at his price point.
2: I uh, absolutely agree with you, Damo. They are my absolute rankings as well, so... Five Sinclair, four Dock, three Sicily, two Dawson, one Stewart. But, look, things could change a little bit for me. Um, Look, particularly with someone like Doherty. he did play two games in midfield last year, 121 and 138, with Sam Walsh out, particularly early on the year. Does he take up that midfield role, even for the time being? If so, he'd probably move up the rankings for me, but there's a few too many question marks. Same as Sinclair. That's why I've got him at number five with Ross the Boss coming in. What actually happens there? And that kills me because, you know, I love a good mullet. Back in the 80s, I used to run with the the mullet and the spikes. Paul Roos, my favourite footy player. Axel Rose from Gunners. you go on and on. So it does hurt me because he was a great selection for me last year as well. But what's his role going to be uh, with Ross's style? Will that suit a fantasy-friendly game? I'm not too sure. Uh, with Sicily, I like him as well. We know he's a quarterback. Intercepts, kicks it, kicks it long. But again, he's another one that's coming off a career best average. There's a bit of ball that's going to be shared around there with likes of Hardwick, Jath as well. At two, I've got Dawson. Really hurt me last year because I didn't actually own Dawson. I think I had him for the last three rounds. Finally jumped on him, but he'd done all his damage by then. It was just too late. And I think that he can score well in a number of different roles as well. So obviously down back, he takes some kick-ins, playing on a wing. Uh, Does he move into the midfield this year? I think that's probably originally what they were thinking with Dawson. But um, with the likes of Barry and a few other blokes, Schoenberg, coming through, lots of blokes can run through the Adelaide midfield. So I don't know where he's going to be deployed this year. But um, anywhere that he is deployed, I still think he's going to score well. And then Tommy Stewart, massive ceiling. Look, he'll find a game to get concussed or or injured. But talk about concussion, he's got a bit of value because of that concussion game last year. So he's probably a little bit underpriced as well, uh, Stewart. And it's pretty scary not owning him, but um, really hard to pick. I think all these blokes are really great selections, but they're bloody expensive, aren't they? I, I think that you can probably pick two at most. Uh, other people may disagree with that, but uh, for me, that's probably my rankings.
0: I've only got one 600K defender in my team at the moment, but Clarkie, what are your rankings?
1: I, I'm in the same boat as you gentlemen. I only have one um, at the moment, Uh you know what the ranking them I think for me has been quite difficult because I'm finding it hard to convince myself that I absolutely need one of these like one or more of these guys um I think well out, out and out my my brain and heart probably say that Stuart would be the number one with a bullet like just his reliability and consistency through that Geelong side and Geelong are playing, you know, they won the premiership last year, playing some of the best football I've seen Geelong play since the last time they won a premiership. Um, It's, it's after that, it gets a bit sketchy for me. Um, I'd probably have to go with Doherty for my number two, as far as rankings, just because I really like Sam Doherty and he's such a good footballer. If Carlton are playing well, then he's playing well. And I think that's something that, you know, can't be, overlooked um Carlton will probably be looking to actually play some finals next year so they'll really need every single one of them firing and then I think after that it's kind of take or leave the final three Dawson is he going to be mid or is he going to be on a wing um we've had Baron on um one of the podcasts recently and he said that Dawson was cited on the wing demo if I, if I remember correctly
0: Said he was cited on the wing, and still a great position. And just quickly, a shout out to um, the writers at the advertiser for suggesting that Jordan Dawson could play as a key defender. Thanks for putting. (laughs) Thanks for thanks for scaring the living hell out of everyone.
1: Thanks, Phantoms Lair. Uh, Yeah, so Sinclair and Sicily. I think Sinclair probably has to be at the bottom because we the unknown coach factor, and Sicily has done it last year. And it ha- is still coming back from an injury, and now factoring into a brand new Hawthorne, really. Like you know, they've shed the skin of what they are in the past. So, how does he slot into that? So, um, at the moment, I'm just sticking with Stuart. Um, and even then, that's been kind of flicking between Stuart and Dockerty for my current draft. Just when I feel like I get on there to have a cheeky play in the middle of January, where nothing is incorrect. <laughs>
0: So there we go. There are our rankings for the 600K Defenders. Thanks, Tim. Clarky, I'll stay with you being the Melbourne fan. Yeah. Do you pick either of Grundy or Gorn with little known of how they will go together? That comes from Chris on Twitter.
1: So this is a great question because Max Gorn has some hamstring awareness as of today of recording. Uh, We're recording this, uh, not to date the episode, but 20th of Jan, literally today, has been told, okay, he's going for scans over the weekend. So if Max Gorn were to not play the first couple of rounds, you could probably argue that starting Grundy would be fine starting him. But you then you go further down the line and you factor in the well, then I have to probably get rid of him when Max comes back. Um, but it does, it buys you time to figure out who else you're going to pick. Because that's the other question, really. I don't think you can pick them if they're playing together. I think I've kind of had to tell myself that it's great for the Melbourne Football Club and I love that for me, but Coach, I don't think I can bring myself to touch one of them going into the start of the season. They're just going to be copying points off one another and it's going to be a matter of how that works together. Um, so I don't know, Damo, if you've got any further thoughts
0: Last week, when they did an intra-club on the Friday again, Grundy and Gorn were pretty much splitting it 50-50 when they were both playing. So that kind of gives you a bit of idea of what it's going to look like if they were both fit and playing in the same side. But if Grundy uh, is going to be by himself and Gorn misses an extended period with a hamstring complaint, unlikely, because hamstring awareness doesn't usually mean... A long a long term injury, but I mean, you could, as you're saying, start Grundy and then assess the options, and then do a bit of a sideways trade before the prices change in round in round three. But I'm not touching either and either of them at the moment. I think it's too much of a risk. I think there's going to be better options once we see the preseason game.
1: Yeah, the fifty fifty will work for them if either one of them kicks a bag depending on which whichever one you've started that particular week. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, DR. Yeah,
2: well, to be honest, all, all pre-season, I haven't touched either of them. None, none of the blokes have entered my side. We're not talking a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, it's, it's bang, bang. It's pretty easy in your isn't it? But the issue for me is, look, even if Gorn is out for a month, then the question marks still remain because we still wouldn't have seen them actually play together. You know, Match seems one thing and it definitely gives us a good idea about what potentially may happen during the season, but it's nothing like actually watching him in action together. So I think it's pretty dangerous. Grundy could come out and have a great first four weeks when just say if Gorn comes in and, and this is all question marks, but let's just say it's something around round five, then we've still got those question marks. What do you do? Do you keep on him for the next three weeks? Just say, and then he's pumping out 70s to 80s. What do you do then? I just think that we need data in order to select either one of them. And we just won't be given that data. So for me, they're just still a no. But look, if Gorn, I don't think he will be. Let's say he was out for an extended period, say 10 weeks, then I'd definitely look at it because you've got 10 weeks worth of Grundy playing solo ruck. But unless it was a long period like that, I wouldn't look at it, to be honest, boys.
1: I'm just always c- concerned when I hear the term awareness because that's always throwing to me where I'm like, okay, so you, that just tells me that you don't know if it's good or bad awareness. <laughs> like you just know that something isn't correct there. And I think Gorn as well has probably had a bit of a track record of playing sore. Um, so I'm not suggesting that it's going to be a long, long term, but I think if he over the next month, you know, we're coming almost to the end of January now, if he, over the next month, he feels like he's not getting himself to hundred percent or he's not getting a hundred percent, he'll probably make that choice to sit, sit for, you know, a week or two or however that is. But I think you're right. I think risk wise, you shouldn't be touching either of them from a super coach perspective.
0: And just to add into the conversation, Bryce Willard on Twitter wants us to discuss the viability of starting Darcy Cameron as a forward instead of in the Rucks. Okay, um,
1: but then who's your Ruck? Yeah, like we <laughs> may have
0: no choice given how the Rucks are going this preseason. But um, I guess the viability is that he has the luxury of dual position. So. If you start someone like a Nick Madden in your third ruck position, you still have the scope to move him into your rucks if you need to. But it sounds like Darcy Cameron's going to be the main man for Collingwood, so why wouldn't you start him? He's four hundred sixty-five k, and if another ruckman comes along that does better, you can wait until that ruckman bottoms out and then move Dcam into your forward line, and then bring and then bring that ruck, ruckman in.
2: Yeah, I think for me, he's a really nice placeholder in your ruck line at the moment, because for me, there are so many question marks. As we just mentioned, it's not as simple as locking in Gorn and Grundy. There's question marks supposed to be at Darcy with Jackson there. Lots of question marks around the rucks this year. So for me, I'm a big fan of actually starting Darcy Cameron as you are too. And then... Looking to either switch him into your forward line at a later date once you've got a little bit more info about the rucks because I think he's got the potential to be a top six to ten forward depending on you know how things structure up at Collingwood this year. I've got some quick averages just quickly here I've written down so. With Grundy last year, averaged 46.6 with a CBA rate of 12.4. With Mason Cox, it average up, went up to 94 with a CBA rate of 57.5. And with Begg, average went up to 104.3 with a 63% CBA average. So if Cox plays in the side, then the Dars suggests it's going to be around that 95 average. But with Dan McStay in the side now, if he is the one to cover in the Ruck and if Cox is playing in the Resies, and I think that average can possibly go up to around the 105 mark. So I think it could be a potential keeper in your forward line. Um, don't know, you know, traditionally 105 wouldn't really be enough to be a keeper in your ruck because those big boys can go a nice 125 up to 130 plus. Maybe different this year. But um, I'm a fan of starting Tarsi Cameron in the ruck myself. But if you need to do it up forward, that's fine. I'm even considering running a Rata Ratagalia. Uh, in my forward line as well, so he can link up with Cameron if I need so to as well. So, uh, lot, lot, lots, to, lots to happen, but uh, I, I am a fan of Cameron, um, probably in the ruck though, more than the forward line.
1: Sorry, sorry, dear, I was over you a little bit there because I wasn't expecting Radically to also come up because he is my current secret shame, uh, at R2. So, <laughs> <laughs> we're in it um, together, <laughs> yeah. After, um, so, Matt Forrest, uh, down at Geelong Advertiser, um, was out there watching the Geelong training and, uh, yeah, said that, radically, I spotted in the ruck. He's, he's $174,000. That's, that's good value in a ruck.
2: Interesting. I, I didn't actually realize that he'd been training in the ruck. My thoughts are more the fact that Tomahawk might be missing early. I think Cameron had a recent injury or a, a scare. I'm not too sure exactly what that was, but I saw some opportunity possibly opening up there um, for the short term anyway. Um, But the fact that he's been trolled in the ruck are really good signs. And, of course, obviously he wanted to get traded to port last year. The fact that the Cats were so keen to hold on to him also gives me a little bit of hope that there may be a role for him this year or else they may have been happy to let him go for for a pick potentially.
0: This next question probably would have been better suited closer to round one, but we'll have a stab at it anyway. Corey Blackledge on Twitter. Could you potentially have Josh Bruce and Ben King as your bench loop over guys like Van Royen, uh, Richards and Finn McRae? Obviously, we don't know rookies until round one teams are released. Um, but, I mean, if we don't get the rookies that we think we will, then, I mean, Ben King will have the job security. Josh Bruce might have the job security. You could, you could loop them. It, you, you could loop them.
1: I think, yeah, it's it's a matter of rookies. But, you know, it's nice that we kind of have a fallback, like, I don't see a universe where Gold Coast aren't playing Ben King all 22 games if he's fit, right? Like, there's no no chance that we can't fall back on that. And Josh Bruce maybe has a new role, maybe doesn't, but even then, very cheaply priced. And some points are better than no points, uh, as those of us who have messed up rookies in the past probably remember.
2: <laughs> That, that, that's a big point. I think it's a lot of it's about the job security. So, look, if we've got three to four blokes at 123K that look to have pretty solid job security, then I'd avoid looking to have some like a king on my bench. Um, but on the other hand, if we just don't have anyone available, then you've got to do what you've got to do. But ideally, if you're paying, you know, 170K, I'd like to have that player at F6 rather than on the bench. And you can always loop him with 123 K player, so someone like a uh, Fergus Green at Hawthorne may get opportunities this year. Um, you know he's no Ben King, but um, it's just so hard to lock in anything at this stage. But um, never say never. But uh, ideally, if you're paying 170k for me, you probably want the player on field if you can.
0: Okay, this next one comes from Don uh, John DJ fifty nine. He's basically asking. Do we go with Dawson? Um, so Jordan Dawson at D1 or Andrew Brayshaw at M4. So you can only have one. Uh, with Dawson, he would have Angus Brayshaw, Hayden Young, and Nick Dacos D2 to D4. Um, and in the, the mids would have Tom Green at M4 and Jacob Hopper at M5. With Brayshaw, Green would be M5, Hopper M6, and then in defense, the D2 to D4 would all move up one.
2: Okay, so got to get my head around the pick. So basically, yeah, so for me in defence, you'd have Dawson, Brayshaw, Dacos and Young. The only, I suppose, danger for me, and this is where I think defence is really tricky for me this year, and I think Clark, you mentioned before, he's only running with one of the top priced, uh, out of the top five defenders this year. The, the, The danger... Well, the hard thing for me with defense is you've got players like young, Dacos, Brayshaw. How close are they going to be to, to being top six defenders? Are they going to be top 10? I, I, I struggle to start too many blokes with question marks on them, particularly those more breakout into the Uber types like young and your Dacos. So for me, I'd like that probably a bit of extra security with one of those top five back there in Dawson. But uh, I'm also a big fan of Brayshaw, but I'd be pretty happy to have Green at M4, Hopper at M5, because you've still got your Ashcroft, Will Phillips there that you could fill the rest of that midfield up with. But uh, Damo, you're a Freo man, uh, big fan of Brayshaw. How would you go yourself there, mate?
0: Yeah, I'd go with Andrew Brayshaw, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that, that's only because it looks like Angus Brayshaw is going to get the midfield minutes that we, that he was getting at the back end of this of last season. So I think that he's a good chance. I think that Nick Dacos is a good chance to finish as a top eight to 10 defender as well. Hayden Young. I mean, he, he's been dominating the intra clubs at, that the Dockers have had, but he hasn't been playing on the same team as Luke Ryan and Heath Chapman also missed today's match sim- simulation through um, load management so we haven't seen all three of them all in the same match simulation on the same team mm-hmm. yet together. But word coming out of Freo is Hayden Young's looking very good leading leading whatever back line that he is in. So I'm gonna be interested to see how he goes when they're all in the same match simulation team together. But I do think that Hayden Young has the chance to move into a top eight to ten defender. Um, but yeah, I to be honest, you probably couldn't go wrong either way i think i'd prefer the extra midfielder though I, I we just don't know if the defenders are going to reach the same heights as they did last season and there's always one that comes from that comes from the clouds and averages 109 over the first 8 weeks like jack sinclair did and and he was only 430k or something to begin last season so we don't know what that defense is going to look like at the end of the season so leaving yourself with a bit of space to move someone in if they come out of nowhere like Sinclair Sicily even George Hewitt did then stacking your midfield doesn't mean you're sacrificing points
1: yeah i think um i think as well this is a this is a really good example and John is somebody who i've interacted with on twitter a few times and seems like a very very lovely man so thank you for your yes. question yeah um <clears throat> But it seems like a classic case of, and, and I do this to myself where you start over complicating the question. So the question isn't about the positions of Angus Brayshaw, Hayden Young, and Dacos, Hopper, and Green and all that. The question is really, would you rather have Jordan Dawson or would you rather have Andrew Brayshaw? Um, because all like the rest of those players are still going to be in your side, and you know, and I think that we need to kind of remember as well in January and we're going to remember it probably right up until the 10 minutes before round one rookies are always going to dictate your structure. So if the rookies are there to generate cash and you don't have Dawson, but you've got an extra defensive rookie that's possibly going to make you that money, then yeah, well, you're going to go with Brayshaw anyway. Then you've got the potential for more mid points as a midfielder. They score traditionally more points, Um and you've still got that extra rookie. So don't think that you have to lock yourself into that one premium option and or well, if you go Brayshore, then there's gonna be no iteration of your team over the next couple of months that doesn't have Dawson or you know, it's it's easy to talk yourself out of players that you like or structure that you like when really we're kind of going, Well, these are the premiums that I'd love to have in my team and these are the rookies that might play. Like and, and it's very we forget that it's very slim on the might, you know, we have absolutely no idea until week, you know, the week of or even, you know, team announcements for round one. So don't stress yourself out too much, John. Um I think for me, out of those two questions, I'd probably take Brayshaw over Dawson. Um and move Brayshaw, like Angus Brayshaw, um A, because you get the Brayshaw brothers, which makes your team just that much better. Um, And yeah, I do like Hayden Young and Nick Dacos. They're both two players definitely on my radar.
0: Crazy, aren't we all? On Twitter has some questions for our Brisbane fan in the room. Can Dunkley improve his average this year and is he a lock? Is Zach Bailey worth a shot as a point of difference? Is Connor McKenna best 22? I have yes, no, and preseason dependent as my answers here. Uh, But, DR, you're the Brisbane fan. How do you see it?
2: Absolutely agree. So, yeah, Dunkley will improve his average this year. He's not going to be a ruckman. We've got Darcy Ford. We've got the big O. This man's going to be playing in the guts alongside Locker Neal, so he's been. I think he's a perfect addition to our midfield. We really needed another big body, someone that's defensively minded as well. So I definitely see him improving his average this year. He's not going to be sharing as many points, I don't think, with your McRae's, your Bonds, your Baz, Libbers. We all know what it's like down there. Uh, At the kennel. So for me, Josh Dunkley is an absolute lock and probably the first player that I would select in my team this year. Um, Even as a midfielder, I'd select him as well. So if he was a pure midfielder, I'd still be going in with Josh Dunkley at the price this year. Uh, second one, uh, Rat Bailey, nah, he, he just won't get any, what, enough midfield time. He may pinch hit slightly, but he recently signed or extended, I think, for another three years. And in that interview, he said himself that short term, he's not going to play much midfield time. He's going to play that half forward role. And he can be so damaging there as well. He can bob up with an easy three to four. But then he can have those games where he touches it 15 times, doesn't really have much of an impact. So he's just not going to be consistent enough for Super Coach, and he doesn't have a friendly role that's really go- going to allow him to break out. And Connor McKenna, it's really hard to tell at the moment. We were actually interested in McKenna a few years ago before he actually went home. We tried to bring him across or up to Brisbane. At the time, but um, look, we haven't seen him play for the last couple of years. But I think that the attributes that he brings to the side we need in the side, and that's his speed um, and being able to break the lines. If you look at our defensive unit there, and I'm very sad, Mark, not super coach relevant, but Marcus Adams out for the season with um, ongoing concussion symptoms. That's going to be pretty big for our structure. Young Jack Payne, I think's going to step up now. I don't think that'll be too super coach relevant, but I, I really see a lack of speed down there. You know, Rich. Uh, Starsevich is powerful has a burst but I think we really need McKenna's breaking speed out of the back line he'll be competing with um, someone like Darcy Wilmot who before McKenna got um, came to Brisbane was going to be an absolute lock I think um, at least for a bench spot on our side so I think he's probably going to be competing with a Darcy Wilmot type Um, and don't be surprised even Daniel Rich he's getting on he's a great man and um, you know my Dr comes from Daniel's riches, my username on SuperCoach Talk. So uh, love the great man, but I wouldn't actually be surprised to see him a little bit phased out because we've got Kitty Coleman now with those kicking skills, a little bit younger um, that can also do a similar job. I think so. Uh, I think I answered all three. Was that all? Did I miss one? Or uh, no, that, no, was, that, that, all right.
0: that was all of them. But now I've got a question. So you think that Connor McKenna and Darcy Wilmot won't play in the same team? <sighs>
2: Not, not necessarily – look, if if I look at our back six, so you've got um obviously Harris Andrews, Dizzy Gardner, and probably I'd say Jack Payne now replaces Marcus Adams. So there, are your, your three there, your three tools. You've got Stasevich, Rich, Coleman, and then there's McKenna and Wilmot. So they're probably the eight that I think will play around that back line. But do you run with one or two of these blokes on the bench? I- I- I'm not too sure. I think you could probably still run – with two of them. But we know that Brisbane also like to play a Darcy Fort type. There's your tool. Um, it, it's it's really tough to tell at this stage. I wouldn't be surprised either way, to be honest, mate. I could I could see it happening because um, we know that they love Darcy Gardner. Uh, sorry, Darcy Wilmop, the Pepsi Max King, obviously came in, played really well during finals, stepped up to the plate. right, Fuji. You've even got blokes like Kalachi, um, who could be the perfect sub type. Um, and even McKenna. You know, he could play back, wing, even a half forward. Could he be a potential subtype? I'm really not too sure. We need to see more from McKenna, how he's tracking during the preseason, how he's picking the game up again after being out for so long. But um, very long answer to that question, Damo. I'm not sure either way, but yes, I still see a world where they could both play on the same side.
1: I didn't realize or... that we had another Brisbane fan on this week. I feel like we've really had the lion's share.
2: Yeah, well, Benny last week was was representing as well. So, uh, yeah, old Fitzroy boy, old Fitzroy boy. I always referred myself as an old Fitzroy boy rather than a Brisbane fan, but still uh, very passionate, (laughs) Clarky, very passionate.
1: No, it's good. I I really like hearing about Brisbane. I'm really interested to see how they progress this year because it feels like they're right on the cusp of, like, breakthrough achievement, you know, like that real next level that they want to achieve.
0: I can't remember who I said it to, but I said – the Josh Dunkley recruitment for Brisbane kind of felt like the same sort of caliber as the Jeremy Cameron recruitment for Geelong. So it's like that final missing piece that they really needed, that they finally got, they gave whatever it took to to, to get him and now he's in. And then you've got Connor McKenna who you could compare as their kind of Tyson Stengel kind of signing and, you know, just, Bit of missing pieces coming in that could help them move them to that next bit of the finals and hopefully, um, maybe reach the the reach uh, reach the the big the, the big dance and win the whole thing.
2: Oh, hopefully, I think it was one of the best off seasons that that I can remember. You throw Jack Gunston into the mix as well, who I think's the ideal Dan McStay replacement at least for the next couple of years, and then in the draft Will Ashcroft as well as Jasper Fletcher. So uh, it was just an extraordinary off season by a recruitment team. And um, yes, should build a statue of Don Ambrosio, I think, at uh, the front of the Gabba there because, uh, yeah, ripping work by the lads. But who who knows? I think, you know, the D's, your boys at Frio, there's, a, it's such an even competition these days, isn't it? And if you're 5% off, you're not going to win a game of football. So uh, just cannot wait for the, the real stuff to begin.
1: I think people like that that's actually really good that you said that because I think people kind of forget just how close it is between those top teams at the moment where I don't think even I'm a Melbourne fan and I don't think I can say with confidence, nah, we're definitely gonna win this year. It's like we have so many teams that we need to beat and we're we're kind of a bit blessed, I think, this era of football where we've got a lot of really close teams who are probably the you know, the one right win on the good side of their record and that's a premiership for them.
0: Exactly, yeah, and you can't really write anyone off because you saw what Collingwood did last year. Everyone thought that they would go nowhere, and then they made a preliminary final. So you can't really you can't really write anyone off because it's all it's eighteen teams at the beginning of the season. It goes down to one.
2: That's right. It makes things exciting, anyway, doesn't it?
0: Definitely does. All right. That's all the questions for today, folks. DR, thanks for joining us. Where can people find you and what have you got in store for us this preseason?
2: Well, firstly, thank you very much for having me on, Legends. Um, Absolutely wrapped to be on, so thank you very much again. You can find me on Twitter at Supercoach SuperCoachDR. Um, upcoming, we've got a, a fair few things coming up, actually. So we're doing uh, all 18 team previews. We've done four so far, but um, we're having a special guest on for each team as well, a supporter from that actual side as well, just to try to get some real insights into that. We'll be going through each each line, line by line. Uh, we're doing an early version of the stock market, so take an early look at some of the real cheapies and maybe some of those blokes that are overpriced in we'd like to avoid this year and um yeah plenty more on the work a new podcast with mate spills super coach sword player should be fun do that on a weekly basis so yeah plenty going on mate plenty going on but uh back to school i'm a primary school teacher so back to school in about a week and a half i've been enjoying holidays but uh Back to the real world very, very soon, but uh, Supercoach always comes first. You've got to obviously get your priorities <laughs> right, don't you? The Look, kids the also. kids
1: will understand.
2: Yeah, exactly right. And I actually play Supercoach in class as well. Plenty of maths in Supercoach, percentages, addition, you know, adding this player plus this player, and then I can muck around with my side and it looks like I'm actually <laughs> teaching. So it works out brilliant, you fellas, i tell you what. <laughs> I
0: love that. Clarky, thank you for being here again.
1: Always a pleasure, baby.
0: Use hashtag jockmailbag to get your question answered in the next one, and we'll talk next time.